a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Hi, I'm Lilo Biebert, and I'm here with my husband, Bill. Hi. Nice for you to come back and listen to us again. The uh, title of this episode is Throwing Down the Trowel, or How to Handle the Meltdowns of Your Aspie. So anyway, I want to start with an explanation of what meltdowns, fits, tantrums, whatever you want to call them are. Because I'm sure a lot of you in neurodiverse relationships are painfully familiar with ASD meltdowns. They aren't fun for either party, and oftentimes uh, they put a terrible strain on the relationship because no matter how amazing either one of you are, sometimes these tantrums or meltdowns or in our house throwing down the trowel can come out of nowhere and just smack you right upside your head. Upside the head. Upside the head. Yep. So if you've studied about Asperger's or being on the spectrum, you already know that your partner might have extreme sensitivity to all kinds of things that factor into a meltdown. meltdown. Like they could be intolerant of extreme heat or cold or bright light or sounds or overstimulated by crowds or people who invade their space, or maybe if they don't have enough alone time, there can be a multitude of so-called triggers that could send your partner over the edge. You might think everything is fine, everything's going along just fine, and out of left field, your partner has had enough of whatever it might be, and kabam, you are hit with one big tantrum. Totally uh, not fun. So honey, If you don't mind, could you explain to us your side of the fence and what it is like for you when you go, when you get overstimulated? What goes on in your mind when you are basically experiencing sensory overload? I think this would give the audience a great perspective on what it's like to be you. So the illustration that I always use is that you have a thermostat in your house that regulates your heat and your cold. We have neurostats, which means that I get overstimulated rather easily. And because of that, I have a hard time taking the aggregation, the accumulation of sensory input and being able to regulate that like neurotypicals normally can. And I reach a critical mass where I need time to myself, I need time alone, and it just becomes too much. Gotcha. All right. So that kind of gives you a little bit idea of of his side and and the precursor to throwing down the trowel. So obviously, Bill and I do this podcast and my blog, MarriedToTheIceman.com, to reach out to the autism community and help you guys avoid many of the mistakes that we made early on in our relationship. So in that vein... I would like to share with you a not-so-funny-to-everyone story that hopefully you can relate to. This is a very famous story in my family, and we call it Throwing Down the Trowel. When we were much younger, uh, we had a critical miscommunication in our marriage. 
We discussed in depth what our lives would look like after Bill retired from the Army. And obviously, at that time, we had little control over what was happening in our lives while Bill remained in the military. So there was a lot of, shall we say, pre-planning for his eventual retirement from service. We both agreed, or at least I thought so, on a small bit of land and on having a farm. And unbeknownst to me, this is not exactly what Bill had in mind. And that lack of communication got us both in a boatload of trouble. So, Bill, if you, again, could give us your side of the story, what were you looking for when we moved to Idaho? So we retired. When I retired from the Army in 2003, I wanted to take a few years out to get a few years to get the let out. So we explored the Northwest and the inland Northwest to figure out where we were going to land. Were we going to land in Oregon? Were we going to land in Utah, Idaho? We discovered as a result of the confluence of weapons laws, homeschooling laws, low taxation, and generally being left alone that North Idaho was the ticket. And there was a miscommunication of sorts with a farm where I wanted a farm more to have the acreage to separate myself from my neighbors so that I could peacefully read the Wall Street Journal naked on my porch if I chose to without alarming the neighbors because the neighbors wouldn't be able to see it. Lilo had another vision. Right. So when people say farm to me, I grew up on a farm, I'm thinking chickens, goats, cows, horses, raising corn, plowing, gardens, you know, the whole nine yards. I grew up that way. So when you say farm, that was my vision of what a farm was supposed to be. And that was not, absolutely not Bill's vision. And neither one of us really knew how far away we were from each other's vision at the time. So this caused a lot of holy hell. Anyway, I'm not going to pick on Bill here. I just want to point out how important it is to communicate effectively with your partner, no matter if they're neurotypical or neurodiverse. Hash out your thoughts, feelings, and visions on certainly big subjects, because if you don't, it can break the deal and things can go south in a very big way. Anyway, back to the story. So here we are. We had a farm in Idaho, and things were, they were a challenge for me. I had a lot on my plate, and I often felt uh, very alone, like one man clapping in the dark. My grandparents, who were in their 90s, lived with us, which was a challenge in itself. And we had horses and a large garden and a huge house and 13 acres, not to mention I was homeschooling four kids uh, while doing all the rest of that. You know, I was uh, definitely a stick of butter on a black car in Phoenix on a July day. So anyway, because of a job change, we uh, relocated to Arizona. Bill had retired and we were in Idaho and we kind of felt like he needed to go back to doing something to similar to what he had done before, and he found a job in, in Arizona. And I pretty much recreated what we had in Idaho in Arizona, not knowing any better, not knowing why Bill and I were getting into so many arguments in Idaho, why there was so much miscommunication, why I felt so lonely or like I was doing a large majority of the chores and all this sort of thing myself. 
um, really didn't have a clue at the time and I moved to Arizona and pretty much set up the same scenario, just on a smaller version, because at this point in time, we had not communicated effectively and realized my mistake of his definition of farm and his definition of farm. And also, Bill's dad came to live with us, and he had a plethora of mental health issues and was also, interestingly enough, severely autistic, which is a whole different story. So one day, I coerced the kids and Bill to go out to weed the garden. Things had really gotten out of control, and I drugged them, complaining out to the garden and began to give instructions on how to dig up this really ferocious Bermuda grass we have in Arizona. This stuff is tough. We live in the desert and it, and it grows with very little water in harsh conditions. And let me tell you, if it gets in your garden, it's a complete drag and, and you've got to dig under the roots and under, under the rhizomes to get it off because if you don't, it just comes right back. So I think I've, instructed everybody on the correct way to dig the grass out. And I look over and there's my hubby basically mowing the lawn. You know, he's clipping off the grass, not really digging it out. And I'm very frustrated because I know, you know, it's going to be the same disaster a few days down the road and we're going to have to do it all over again. So I dare to suggest that he dig under the roots and take out the rhizomes and that was it right there. That was it. He stood, he stands up, he throws down the trowel. He says, if you don't like the way I'm doing it, you can do it yourself. And then he stomps into the house and I'm like, what the, and there I am left with the minions. And let me tell you when dad leaves, the minions are like chickens, right? They're like, buck, 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 buck. Why do I have to be out here weeding the garden when dad's in the house in the cool AC reading a book? I want to go inside. I don't want to. You get the idea, right? And I had a library in the house. <laughs> of course, yes, of course you did. And there he was, you know, enjoying the library while I'm out there cussing him upside down, you know, one side down the other because the kids, of course, are revolting. And finally, I'm like, just go in the house and I'll weed the damn garden myself. So anyway, this is uh, how we started calling meltdowns, throwing down the trowel. So what happens next? So I go in there in the house and Bill's still very angry. And at this point, I don't realize that we've had a another miscommunication of which we've had many in 30 years. And I am trying to work things out uh, immediately because nobody enjoys being having someone be mad at you. You want to get past it, right? But that, uh, unbeknownst to me, was a uh, really bad idea. So let's back up a little bit. And uh, I want Bill to uh, chime in here. So the whole idea of telling the story is to get an idea of Maybe what I could have done better uh, to have prevented that situation. So I'd like to ask some more questions of you as well. But could you give me an idea of, let's just say, why did you throw down the trowel, right? Why did you get so frustrated with me at that moment when I was just suggesting, hey, you know, you're not digging the grass up right? Well, not only are we ritualistic, but we love to make effective use of our time because time that we spend with others is sort of like a clock that is counting down to the time that we're going to be able to spend by ourselves. 
and we were listening. <laughs> it's funny. We had friends over last night, and uh, one of my favorite songs came on, Alone Again, Naturally. But Lilo and I changed the words to Alone Again, again Thankfully. That's correct. So Alone Again, Thankfully. Now, am I unique in, in the Spectrum world as far as wanting to recharge on my own uh, company? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I know a lot of colleagues who are on the Spectrum who can't recharge and who are introverts and recharge in their own, in their own company. My wife being an extrovert, she, uh, she's the energizer bunny for the most part, but she doesn't need to recharge by herself. As a matter of fact, she wilts and melts when she doesn't have other human beings around her. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, stick back to the question, which is what happened at that moment that made you throw down the trowel? I was just so frustrated because you hadn't, told me your intent and you hadn't made it clear what we were trying to accomplish and of course I can't blame you entirely for that because I should have asked and I didn't because I didn't want to go out there and uh waste your time yeah Yeah. so over the years I've figured uh, a lot of things that have helped us both out and I'd like to share those with you so you guys can avoid your own throwing down the trowel situation granted it's relatively mild example of what a tantrum from an ASD partner can be like. I'm on a lot of support groups and a lot of ladies share their experiences and men as well. And sometimes these meltdowns can be pretty intense. Um, So we're going to talk about that in just a second. But over the years, I've figured out a few things that I think can help you. Uh, First of all, let's go over... uh, Known triggers to meltdowns. If you know something is a trigger for your partner and they're going to get upset, they're going to throw a tantrum, whatever you want to call it, the best suggestion I have for you is preparation. It's so important to give your assy, oh, oops, sorry, Asby, sorry about that, <laughs> some time to adjust to whatever request you might have. I call him an assy sometimes when I get upset with him. So that's anyway, because you Venusians think we Vulcans are. Sort of like that. Right. Anyway. Anyway. So give them some prep time, right? That helps a lot. Give your ass me something to chew on. Like, hey, honey, I need your help in the garden. I know you hate it, but would you give me two hours of your time on a Saturday between seven and nine so we can get that done? I might start this conversation if I need help on a Saturday, like on a Wednesday. And then I might gently remind on a Friday that, hey... Saturday morning, we need to get our butts out there and weed that garden. This helps a lot. Where there still might be a lot of grumbling, I feel this technique uh, works a lot better than springing it on them five minutes before beforehand. And the next suggestion I have for you is uh, extremely important. Spell it out. And I mean specifically. I mean extremely specifically. So please, would you weed the garden the way I like it weeded for two hours on Saturday between 7 and 9? Because believe me, if you say you need two hours, you will get exactly two hours and not a minute more, not a nanosecond more, (laughs) because they are so literal. And if you say, hey, I want you to weed the garden for two hours between 7 and 9, and you're out there and you notice that you need a hole dug too, mm mm-mm, nope. Mm -mm. You should have said that beforehand. You're not getting that whole dug. Just give it up because you're adding stuff on and the complaint is going to be, well, you said we only had to weed the garden between seven and nine. Bill can sometimes punt, 
and uh, roll with it. If I ask for a hole to be dug and in addition to the two hours of weeding, but a lot of times uh, he can't. And so I want you, honey, to explain to me why is that the case with people on the spectrum, at least from your point of view, how come you aren't more flexible with things like that? When I say, hey, let's weed for two hours, and then I'm like, oh, hey, can you dig a hole for me over there? Why does that? Um, why is that difficult for you? Again, I can't speak for every Aspie. I can only speak for myself being on the spectrum. But for me, being effective, being timely, and getting stuff done, especially stuff that is shared with you, is taking me away from stuff that I want to do. So that's why carving out that time is important to be very specific about it. Right. And that is... Probably my second best suggestion is to spell everything out so logically. You will get so much better response from your Asperger's or partner on the spectrum, your autism partner, whatever you're dealing with in the neurodiverse world. You will get a much better response the more logical you can possibly be. So once you have your partner helping or doing whatever it is you needed... I caution, caution you to be extremely careful with any comments of any kind that could be taken negatively. That's a hard one for me, as Bill often has his own ideas many times, uh, the way things should be done. And if it's my project, I have an idea of how I want it to be done. And so you really have to, I really have to spell everything out very succinctly when we're doing one of my projects so that he will do it the way I would like it done. So let's just say that you've done everything I mentioned. And just out of left field, you get smacked upside the head with a full-blown meltdown. These are different for everyone, but it could involve some yelling, hurtful comments, big-time miscommunications, silent treatments, and often a whole lot of anger and long periods of repair work. Oh, I personally hate the wasted time it takes to get things back to, to calm. That's something that I personally really resent and that we work on continually. Because for me, if things go south and we get upset at each other, I want to work it out like as quickly as possible. And that often doesn't work for a lot of a lot of Aspies, they need that time to calm down, which could be a period of a few hours. It could be days, but they need that period to come back to logic. Like Bill always says to me, you know, emotions up, logic down, right? So I know, babe, that this is a tough topic for you, and I don't want to make you out to be the bad guy at all. But I think it would help a lot if you could enlighten us a little bit with why it takes you so long to go from being angry and frustrated to the I'm sorry part. It can sometimes seem like it just takes forever before there are any lessons learned or apologies made. Could you explain to me why that is for you? Well, well we're very contemplative beasts on the spectrum, and we tend to go over the tapes and see, well, what happened? What caused that? Why am I in this fix? And, you know, taking care of you is the most important thing in my life. And Aww. because of that... I, uh, I sort of, you know, have to flagellate myself for having flown off the handle or whatever the case may be. But it does take me a little while to process it. 
Is there anything that we could do, do you think, as your neurotypical partner, is there anything that we could do to hurry that up? Because that's a little frustrating, you know, because many hours and sometimes days have been lost uh, dealing with different throwing down the trial scenarios. Is there anything that we can do on our side to help you get past it faster? Sure. Come to me uncritically about an hour after whatever's happened happened and say, listen, I need you to sit down for 20 minutes, bring an egg timer or an alarm clock or whatever. Make sure it's 20 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you judge to be the uh, time. And don't beat around the bush. Get to the point and find a way around it. Okay. We'll see if that works. So if despite um, all your best efforts, your mate is throwing down the trowel, I highly recommend not engaging. Leave the room or even the house until things have calmed down. Don't even try to work out things until calm has been restored. And then when you feel like logic is up, and emotion is down, say to your partner, hey, um, could I have 15 minutes of your time? I really need to talk about this situation. Uh, what happened? Could you tell me what I did to trigger that outburst? What could I do differently the next time? Uh, what could you do differently the next time? Express your hurt so they know that there are consequences to these meltdowns. Like, you know, you really hurt my feelings. I want to understand but I need you to express your frustration in a calmer manner as I cannot hear you with my heart when you were telling, when you were yelling at me or angry with me, things of this nature. Uh, it's important to express your feelings because everyone who is married to or in a relationship with a um, person on this spectrum is familiar with the Cassandra syndrome. Uh, that's another conversation completely, but I highly recommend looking it up. And it's very important that you don't marginalize or hide your feelings because these meltdowns of your partner can be scary. They can be very uncomfortable. You feel like you can't do anything right or you're all tense in your own house because you're afraid to trigger off another meltdown. And this is not a good place to to be. So I encourage you as partners of, of people who are on the spectrum to sit down and in a calm, loving way, explain why that outburst or that particular scenario uh, hurt your feelings and made you upset and work through it step by step to see if you can figure out better ways to deal with uh, their uh, particular situation. Bill is really good uh, when I come to him in a calm manner and say, please, it's okay to be frustrated with me. What's not okay is to yell or stomp off or be all angry. Tell me, hey, Lilo, I don't really like it when you tell me how to weed the garden. You know, I can deal with that all day long. But the throwing down the trowel and stomping off in a, in a huff and being all furious and angry and wasting hours, if not days, of our lives together, that is a part that that I do not want to to deal with. That's something that it was very upsetting to me. It seems like a huge waste of time. And hopefully these steps that we have talked to you about will help you in your own relationship because that's the point of why we even do this because we have had many, many scenarios of throwing down the trowel. It's gotten a lot better. We've worked through a whole lot of things. And I'm hoping that these suggestions can help you because that's the idea. 
we're, we're doing this for fun, sure, but we're also doing this because we want to reach out to young couples who might have made the same mistakes or making the same mistakes that we've made. And these are definite ways that we have found to negotiate a peaceful, harmonious relationship between a neurotypical and a neurodiverse partner. And baby, remember, yeah. one of the, one of the uh, worst things you could do is come to me and say, how do you feel? <laughs> we have a joke in our family and I always say, did I hurt your feeling? <laughs> because, yeah, obviously people on the spectrum are often not filled with emotions. And that's something that you definitely get used to over time. Overall, I would say that that is a positive in our family uh, because we only need one emotional person in a relationship, right? And so he balances me yes. out, right? Anyway, I hope you have found this helpful. Thank you, honey. I know this was um, a tough topic, and I really appreciate you being here with me and go giving us your perspective of what it's like when you get to that frustration point where you just, you've had it and you're boiling over, going over the cliff. Um, so I, I suggest to you, if you find that your partner is, is throwing down the trowel, get one of your minions to pick it up. <laughs> Until next time, this is Lilo Bupert and, and touching this is Bill. the... Oh, thanks. And touching the tism. Be sure to visit my blog at marriedtotheiceman.com. And if you're into irregular warfare, please listen to my husband's podcast called Chasing Ghosts or his Stoicism in Business podcast, The Dash. Until next time, this has been Touching the Tism.